everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, actually, also Merry Christmas still, because it is still Christmas in the church calendar, technically. So I said that to a few of you this morning, and you chuckled. But uh, it's Christmas and New Year's at the same day. And so we had a Christmas song this morning, and um, we are excited to be gathering together on this last day of the year. Uh, I, by the way, my name is Jenny, and I'm the associate pastor here. Jack, our lead pastor at Bethany Northeast, is away with his family in very cold smoke, Spokane. So we can be praying for them, but I think they're having a good time. And um, want to know also special things about this morning. Obviously, we're sitting at tables, which is not usual for us. This is partly so that we can celebrate as a community that this is our last day of the year. And God has done a lot this past year, and God is going to do a lot in this next year. It's a perfect way, I think, to both worship and then celebrate with brunch and community and really kind of get to experience joy with one another today. So that's kind of why we're doing this. We will have a bit of a shorter sermon than usual, which is why we invited all of our elementary kids to just join us for worship. We actually think it's a privilege to get, have our kids with us in service. It might be a little noisier in here than normal. That's okay. No problem. We are so glad our students are with, with us today in service and get to participate in worship with us. So if there's a little noise, let it roll off. It's the end of the year. This is a celebration more than a very serious study day. But in light of that, I've been studying all week in Isaiah 43, and I do have uh, some things I really am excited to share with you all about uh, this passage that Kurt just read for us. And then uh, once I finish this sermon, we will sing another song or two, and then we will break for like a coffee hour for 10 minutes. And, me and also, side note, there's coffee right here. Please feel free to get up and get coffee at any point in the service. If your kids need to get Wiggles out, go ahead and take them out for a minute and come back in. This is, a, this is designed to be like this today. Um, but that, so that's our plan. About 10 minutes after we end service, I will start to dismiss some tables for brunch so that we have a little bit of order. So that's the plan for today. Would you pray with me and we'll begin our study. God, we give you praise that we get to gather as a community on this final day of our calendar year. God, that we know that you, though you are existing before the beginning of time and after time, as we know it ends, God, you are also with us in this moment. And we ask that you would open our minds and our hearts to understand what you have to teach us today on this last day of our year. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right, as many of you know, Matt and I got to travel recently on our, one of our most special vacations we've ever gotten to do. Uh, we went to Thailand last month in November, and um, both and I, Matt had had this dream for a long, long time before I met him. When we met, uh, it started to become my dream, too. We actually served Thai food at our wedding. We love Thai culture, but especially Thai food. So we thought it would be really fun to go to Thailand. And uh, we finally got to do it this year. And when we it was an amazing trip. When we returned, though, I was a little bit caught off guard by how many people knew we had gone. And many of you, and then many more from Matt's church. He's at a different church right now. And all, anyways, we had a lot of people who knew we'd been go gone and I wanted to know about our trip. Um, I think I was asked over a hundred times, how was your trip to Thailand? Uh, which is amazing that people wanted to know what I saw and what I experienced and what I learned. Um, but it was a, a little daunting too, because and if you've ever traveled you probably and come back, you probably have experienced this. How do you sum up what you saw and experienced in this like one or two minute conversation you have with someone? 
And then even an hour or two over dinner with some of our closer friends and family was still not enough to tell people all, all about it, right? So because there hasn't been time to tell those of you who asked me much about my trip necessarily, I wanted to share one story with you today, partly because it relates to New Year's and to our, I think, to our scripture passage, but, and because it was one of the most memorable things I've ever witnessed or experienced. So when Matt and I arrived in Chiang Mai, which is in the north of Thailand, we got into a taxi from the Chiang Mai airport to get to our guest house, and our taxi driver asked us if we were there for the festival. And we looked at him blankly, like, what festival? And he, uh, dumbfounded that we didn't know what he was talking about, shared that we were in Chiang Mai for one of the biggest festival days of the year. And so not, it's not just any festival. It's a festival designed to welcome the new year, actually, in their lunar calendar that they more observe. And most Thai people, it was a lantern festival. Most Thai people believe that lighting a lantern brings good luck in the new year. And that symbolically, lighting a lantern sends all of your worries and all of your problems to float away into the sky. Doesn't that sound nice? Now, Matt had had a picture of this exact festival in his room for years growing up. He actually had always wanted to experience this festival. He just didn't know it was happening. You could say we didn't do very much planning before we left. But anyways... (laughs) It was a happy accident, and we were there for this huge festival that he, little did I know, always wanted to be at. Well, Lantern Festival Night came, and we bought ourselves a, a Chinese lantern with a few Thai bot, and we started to make our way to the river, which is where this festival takes place, where we could light off our lantern, hopefully see thousands of lanterns being lit off. What we weren't prepared for was the fact that uh, lots of other people also wanted to do this and get close to that river. And uh, we got a few blocks from the river and suddenly found ourselves literally being carried by crowds rather than getting to take our own steps. You couldn't move an inch in these streets. And uh, there were still buses and motorbikes trying to get through. If you've been in maybe other countries where crowd control is not as big of a deal as it is here, it was crazy. And literally, we were like this for almost an hour, and it felt like we were never going to get there. And then uh, Matt has decided he has given up, and he wants to turn around. And I look up, and I realize we've made it to a bridge, and we are over the river. And suddenly, we can see all of these lanterns. And so we stopped pushing our way forward and started pushing our way sideways. And, uh, And it was breathtaking, right? Suddenly, there are thousands of lanterns in the sky that we can see. They actually looked to me like stars that were closer to Earth than our stars. I mean, it was so beautiful. And it was terrifying. (laughs) Because everywhere around us, people are trying to light off lanterns, as you do. Which, incidentally, are three to four feet tall, made of paper. And and many of you have probably done these before. We hadn't. But with a disc soaked in lighter fluid at the bottom of them. And most of the crowd, apparently, had never tried to light one of these before like us. And what this meant is there's fire falling from the sky every few minutes as people light them right into power lines, and, uh, which were right above us. And then stray lanterns were, of course, getting caught in trees, and they were catching on fire. And it was mayhem, but it was beautiful, breathtaking mayhem. And I share this story partly because it's a beautiful New Year's tradition in another part of the world, but also because witnessing that festival And experiencing it firsthand was nothing like looking at a picture of it. 
It was nothing like it. It was nothing like reading about it or even hearing someone talk about being at one, although that could have helped prepare us maybe if we'd heard someone else's experience. To really witness something fully, we, we probably know this, you have to be fully present at it. In fact, legally, right, if you go to trial, you can't be a witness to something through hearsay, through what you heard someone else experience or someone else see. You have to have been firsthand knowledge of it. And to take it a step further, to witness something happen is to be part of it in some way, I think. To feel or to smell or to touch or to taste or to really see something occur in a way that it changes or shapes a little bit of who you are. In the Isaiah passage we had Kurt read today, we heard that God calls us, well, Israel, and us by extension to be his witnesses. But he doesn't only mean in the trial witness sense, I don't think. He doesn't just mean telling other people about him. He actually, first and foremost, God is calling us to be witnesses in the sense that we are those who see and experience our God firsthand, who observe what he's doing and are changed by it. And what it means is that we'll be the ones who are present, who show up when God's moving, people who know and understand to the best of our ability, which is limited, God's nature, God's actions, and even God's plans to an extent. If you're a note-taking type, there's a little outline. We'll move through these points fairly quickly, but there's three areas of what it means to be a witness that we're going to explore today. The first is witnessing God's nature. The second is witnessing God's actions. And the third is witnessing God's plans. Nature, actions, plans. And the word witness, as defined in the dictionary, actually, has multiple meanings, but the first in the dictionary that I found online, is a witness is one who sees, hears, or knows by personal experience and perception. A witness is someone who sees, hears, or knows by personal experience and perception, one who is present. So what does it mean to be present to our God, who is, in, in fact, most of the time, invisible, inaudible, and who cannot be completely known or understood by us? How can we witness God? when those things are most of the time true? Well, first, let's explore how we know who God is, this, this nature of God. How do we witness who God is? The prophet Isaiah in chapter 43, speaking on God's behalf, says this. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, don't fear, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So let's unpack that for just a minute. God's revealing a lot about his nature in that passage. Because first we see in verse 1 that our God is creator. Not just someone who's creative, but one who can actually create something from nothing. One who can make human bodies and give them life and consciousness and a soul. And then second, God reveals himself to be redeemer, the one who saves. No matter what the obstacle, fire, water, bone dry desert, God is capable of saving in every circumstance. And it is in God's nature to save. In fact, in verse 3, God tells Israel explicitly that he is savior, but not just a savior. He says, I am your savior. So our God's claiming to be our creator and our savior, 
But I actually think there's something even more fundamental and more at the core of who God is that we that he desperately wants Israel to understand. And it starts to come clear in verse 3, but it's even more clear in verses 10 through 12, which is where we see God say, you are my witnesses and my servant whom I've chosen. And then he says, so that you may know and believe and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there ever be one after me. I, I, even I am the Lord, he says, and apart from me, there is no savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed I and not some foreign God among you. God, as he's asking Israel to be his witnesses, is inviting them to know and believe and understand this one thing, that God is God, the God. I am he, God says. I am the one who existed before time. I will exist after time. I am the one who can save and redeem and plan your future. No one else. This is the same thing God says to Moses when Moses meets God for the first time in the burning bush. Moses asks God what his name is, which is actually a pretty beautiful thing. He says, who should I say I met when I go back to Egypt and tell the Israelites about meeting you? Who should I say I met? And God responds very mysteriously to us, I am that I am. When you go back to Egypt, tell the Israelites that I am has sent you. And to my brain, that is a circular thing that God says to him, right? How do, you, how do you say that to someone? But God is saying, I am the God, the only one, the one who is, who exists now, who existed forever, who will exist forever. I am. And we, first and foremost, are called like Moses and like Israel to be witnesses to a God who exists, to experience that our God is alive was alive before the universe started and will be alive long after the earth flames out. Our God is, and we are his witnesses. And so we notice when God acts, we notice the evidence of God's existence. We celebrate that we have a God who cares and who is with us. One of the ways we actively do this is by literally spending time with our God, actively acknowledging his presence in our lives. Now, I know a few of us, who in here is a Star Wars fan, would say, I am a fan. Okay. Yep. <laughs> awesome. And so, who has maybe seen the most recent movie that came out, or watched one over Christmas break? Yeah, this is a good number of us. And uh, I also got to. But here's what I want to propose. Let's say every one of us in here for a minute is a big Star Wars fan, even if that's a stretch for you. And if you are a, you're the biggest Star Wars fan, you would make that claim. And let's say you found out that the creator of the Star Wars universe was sitting in one of these chairs here, right? I know. <laughs> would you, he created the characters, he created the plot lines, he created it all, or she, and you found out that she's here. Would you seek them out? Would you be hoping you got to sit at their table? Probably. You'd probably seek to spend as much time with them as you could. Perhaps see if they'd share their plans for what the next movie was going to be about. Or what their... You, maybe you'd want to pepper them with questions about how things work or things that have bothered you. The inconsistencies you noticed in that last movie. I mean, I didn't notice any. I don't know what, I don't know what that would be. But 
this is the point, right? We have the God of our universe, the creator of all of the people we love, the one who was there when this beautiful earth was formed. That God is here. He's listening to our every breath and our every thought. And we're invited to spend our time with this God, to pepper him with questions, right? To sit and listen for his thoughts, to join our thoughts, to be with this God in spirit in every waking moment. And this is how we live into God's call to be his witnesses. First and foremost, we spend time with our God, paying attention to our God and what he's doing. Now, there's a lot more to say on that. I want to move on because I don't, I don't want us to miss brunch, and the smells coming out of the kitchen are quite good. But there's a, uh, moving on, then, to what it means to be a witness to God's actions. So we've talked about sort of who God is, God's nature. What does it mean to witness to the ways God is acting in our world? Isaiah, speaking to Israel, reminds them who he is speaking to when he says, This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters for us. Isaiah is reminding God's people about what their God has done in their past. He's repeating the story of the Israelites' escape from Egypt, about how God moved and saved them from slavery and death in really big ways. Witnessing God's actions involves noticing how God moves in your own life, in the lives of those around you, in the lives of your family and your friends and your church, and repeating it to yourself, to each other, and to, the, and to the wider world sometimes. The Psalms are actually full of people remembering what God has done and how God has acted, not only in their own lives, but in the lives of those who came before them. And this is why we actually celebrate Christmas and Advent and Easter and Lent each year, is we're telling the story of what God has done over and over again in our community, in our midst. Since this marks the end of a calendar year for us today as a church, people, pretty much around the globe, I wanted to stop for a moment and remember what God has done in our church together. Uh, And this is a tiny microcosm, I hear that. There is so much more God has done, but let's just celebrate for a minute what God's done in our midst, a few things. One year ago, Christmas Eve, we celebrated our first service in this building, and that's ours to use not only on Sundays, but throughout the week now. Uh, One A church offers to share space, especially on Sunday morning. I believe God is at work in that moment, right? That is a generous, unselfish act for Lake City Pres to have invited us into their space and their home. So let's celebrate that. Um, And as a result of God's movement in that, this year at Bethany Northeast, we were enabled to start midweek Bible studies. Our ladies' Bible study has almost 30 women participating here on, Sunday, on Wednesday mornings. And a lot of kids are getting cared for in that space as well. And then uh, we have a men's Bible study that started meeting here Tuesday nights. And we were able to, uh, with Lake City Prez, jointly put on a vacation Bible school, right? And I know we know that a lot of these stories, but over 80 kids were served by that vacation Bible school in our community. We were able to celebrate the fact that we're currently averaging over 100 kids every Sunday morning, which is amazing. And we have safe spaces for every one of those kids. And God has just done work for us as a community, and we can celebrate that. We have a high school group, actually, that gathers every week downstairs. A few of you are here today. Gathers every week downstairs. They're busting at the seams 
and yet we have space for them, barely. <laughs> We're, we have a lot to celebrate as a church. Those are just a few things. And that's just what God's done for our community. There's much more God is at work doing in Lake City, in and through our church and many other churches and organizations and businesses around, here, around us. And of course, God is present in our city, in our world, and acting in much bigger ways than the ways I just mentioned. But we're witnesses to God's actions, big and small. And all we have to do is be present. We must be paying attention. And part of how we pay attention is by actively remembering together. Israel did this every time they gathered for worship. The, the reason the Psalms were so full of memories of God's past actions was those were the hymns they used in worship. Israel was literally repeating to itself every time they worshiped and gathered as a community what God had done for them. And we need the same reminders in small groups, as families, as couples, as friends. We need to repeat to each other often the ways we've seen God work. It is just like a witness of a crime, actually. Uh, someone who sees a mugging in the street and is asked to repeat what they saw a few weeks later in court is proven to have actually a pretty poor memory of what they actually saw. Uh, it, if you look up some of the research that's done on memory, it's kind of, hard, yeah, sad, heartbreaking, because we do not have good memories as, human, as good as we think, actually. We don't have as good of memories as we think. To be good witnesses, we not only need to experience God actions, God's actions firsthand, we have to repeat our experiences often and then be told them back by our friends, by our family, by our church. And we're actually going to take a little time to do this together as we brunch in a minute. And I'll give you a couple questions to ask each other. And then finally, this is going to be very brief, but I want to touch on the fact that we are witnesses to God's future plans. And in the truest sense of the word, witness, you can't witness something that hasn't happened yet, right? That's not actually possible. It certainly wouldn't be admissible in court. But I do think that a trial witness, and you, you know, if you're a lawyer, you can correct me afterwards. I think that a trial witness can comment on what they heard the defendant, who in this case, God is setting himself up as the defendant. I think a trial witness can comment on what the defendant said they planned to do. And we, as God's witnesses, are called to be those who not only actively witness and experience God's nature and God's past actions, but those, we need to be those who actively witness and look forward to what God has said he will do, God's future plans. And this is why God says in Isaiah 43, verse 18, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, see, I am doing a new thing, see, I love that he uses that word, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and, and streams in the wasteland. Isaiah doesn't mean simply ignore everything I've done, God's done before. For he, actually, Isaiah just got done talking about all about what God did in Israel's past. It's not that we actually forget, but, but what we need instead is to see with fresh eyes the new things God is going to do and is doing. At this point, remember... Israel is in exile. They are in a terrible position. They really don't see any way out of their current situation. They're under the rule of the Babylonian king. They have no power. They've been stripped of their wealth and their cities, and they have no leaders. In fact, Babylon would like nothing better than have Israel simply 
sort of absorb their culture, absorb their foreign gods, accept all their customs, and forget about Jerusalem, forget about their identity as a people of God. And God says, do not give in to Babylon. Their gods are not God. You are my witnesses in these foreign cities. Many times in this passage, actually, he reminds them whose they are. And what he's doing is reminding them that they are his witnesses, meaning they need to witness how he's still moving and where, look for his movement in their midst. And I think today we are called to be God's witnesses in a culture that would really like nothing better for us to bend to worship of money, to worship of security and material possessions and houses and cars and big toys and worship political ideologies. These are the things many of us hear from our culture. It may not be all, but it's certainly a powerful voice. And we are witnesses who say these are nothing. Those things are nothing compared to the treasures of our God. Our God is doing something bigger than any of this that we can see. God in Isaiah promises Israel that he is already working. And when he says forget the past, he means forget the old ways, the the thing I did last time. I'm not going to do the same thing over again. This is a new thing I'm doing. And today we're not supposed to look, right, for another baby born in Bethlehem, which most of us have figured out. We're not looking for another 33-year-old rabbi with wise teachings. We're not even looking for the same healings and miracles that we maybe have seen in our past. We are supposed to be looking for God to move and act in new ways, even and especially, actually, when it appears that all is lost, when it appears that God is not present at all, that there's nothing of God happening in our world. This is when we, as his witnesses, point to our God and say, no, there is movement when we seek to see how God is moving. And we hold on to Revelations 21 when we read that there will be no more tears and there will be no more death and there will be no more pain. And we repeat that Jesus is, present tense, is making all things new. We're witnesses to this. And as we enter a new year, we are called to do this. I think this last piece is achieved by immersing ourselves in God's scriptures. Because that is where he reveals his plans to us. And we pay attention to how God is making all things new in our world by reading what God has written to us through his people throughout the ages. That is how we be witnesses. I'm going to invite Andrew back up and to get set. And as he comes up, I'm going to invite you to consider what that might mean for you to seek opportunities to be a, a witness of God's movement, of who God is in your life this year. Maybe it's spending t- more time just present to God's presence with you. Maybe it's spending time with God and others in community and really sharing and being more intentional with that community time. Maybe it's spending more time in God's scripture. But whatever that is, may we be God's witnesses in this next year, pointing to where our God is moving. And as we brunch together today, in just a few minutes, uh, I would specifically love for each person to share around the table one way you think you may have seen God act in this past year. Now, I know some of us are not sure about God at this point, and that is fine. No one has to share 
or you can just share a highlight of the past year if you would prefer. But I would invite every one of us to listen to how others might share about the way they heard God and saw God moving one way this past year. Friends, uh, in the same way that people were lovingly so hungry to hear about my trip to Thailand, would we be more hungry to hear about one another's experiences of God, to witness to one another about the power and the beauty and the love that our God has for us? Let's pray, and we'll close together. God, you are in our midst more powerfully than any of us fully understand. Would you, God, use us now as we gather for brunch, as we enjoy this season of celebration, would you use us in each other's lives to point us to where you're moving, to where you're acting, and to who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.